Hey guys, Haik Tadevosan here, and welcome to the Power of Mindset podcast, episode number 13. Uh, with this episode, I wanted to summarize a really good, really cool interview I had yesterday with a friend of mine. Um, you know, for those of you who've been on our training pl platform at the 100 application team member, um, it is built for State Farm agent and State Farm team members. So anybody outside the industry don't have access for you. Unfortunately, this is for internal stuff only when it comes to the coaching program. But I do like using this platform to debrief general stuff. In reality, I think there's this misconception thinking, oh, well, there's not much I can learn from Toyota because I'm not in the car manufacturing. But if you think about leadership level, when you think about the way successful companies are ran, the way the managers, the CEOs, the employees, the workers think, mindset piece to success on highest level is highest level, no matter the industry or no matter the type of the product that they offer. So I try to bring a lot of these general concepts to the YouTube page. And yesterday's phone call, even though I was really hoping to make yesterday's phone call more product specific, as in we wanted to talk about health insurance and how to assist customers better on taking good care of them when they get injured and they get hurt so we can do a better job protecting their paychecks. Um, as you know, um, conversations typically don't go as planned. But if you've got good people on a call, conversations turn to be better. As in, I've never talked to a successful person full of energy and and not felt jazzed up and wired and energized because they were just pouring their heart and soul out into the conversation. So yesterday's interview with my friend Alan Serafian uh, went really well. And we talked a lot more rules in general that would make any business, any relationship, any commitment successful, generally speaking. And I wanted to recap uh, we spoke about six different points on this phone call. I want to go over the notes. Again, generally speaking, this will help anybody. And it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. It could be insurance sales, car sales. It could be real estate. It could be if you're a doctor, it doesn't matter. I think these are very powerful formulas and rules to follow by as an agreement we had on the call yesterday. The difference between us and humans is we have rules and we can follow them. Uh, excuse me. The difference between us and animals, humans and animals is the rules. We can follow rules. Animals cannot. And they don't want to unless you really train them. But in reality, that is the biggest difference. So um, one quick thing about my my friend, Alan. And Alan, if you're watching this, I'm definitely going to send you the link. Um, what I believe to be the truth about people that inspire me, you plug that person into any kind of an environment, they're going to make it work. doesn't matter. We are talking insurance-specific example because I'm an insurance business. So is he. We, were, we had a lot of our students on the call uh, the the truth of the matter of the information shared yesterday was generally applying to most success principles. And the thing about a common denominator denominator about people like Alan, a lot of them think very similarly, as in they're very unreasonable. They don't make excuses. They all work hard. Again, let's not forget one of the biggest formulas to people are looking for the secret to success is like, no, nothing substitutes good old-fashioned hard work. There are a lot of different things you can substitute. You can substitute a rule, a belief system, but hard work has to be like the the glue that puts it all together, right? Um, so those are the general things about him. But let me let me tell you about specifics of the conversation, the six points we talked about that he was preaching. Because if I were to count on one hand, as far as success, not just insurance business success, but general business knowledge, acumen, human psychology, ability to motivate and keep people accountable, hiring, firing, coaching, mentorship, the type of the leader he is, 
you can plug a person like Alan into any business environment. Like I said, they'll make it work, whether they're selling cars, whether they're writing prescription medication, whether they are selling houses, because in reality, what we do as far as the industry itself, somebody can be in real estate saying, I sell houses for a living. Somebody in the banking could be like, okay, well, I'm a financial advisor or I do refinancing, I do financing, I do loans. Again, that's the product. But what you need to be really good at is dealing with people. Actually, I, was, I had the honor of being at a book signing event uh, a week ago. There's a lady who wrote, uh, published a really good book on real estate. And I really loved what she said. And it really applied generally to what we preach about and talk about in, in, um, in our office is her understanding what she wrote in the book was real estate is what we sell. But the reality is I deal with people. Again, but why do some people that do sell homes for a living do amazing? They might do 40, 50, 60 transactions a year, and some do five. They're selling the same house and the same zip code. They're marketing to the same people. They're dealing with the same set of problems. Well, one is better at dealing with people than the other. So reality comes down to how well can you deal with people? Can you uncover the problem? Can you find out more about what's important to your customer? Can you do a better job of asking uncomfortable questions so you can actually be a good thinking partner for clients? Because in many cases, customers don't really know what they want because they're not educated. They're reaching out to you to ask for expert advice. And sometimes we're just too caught up running our own agenda. We don't listen. So we don't really offer the solution to a problem properly. Therefore, we're not dealing with a customer properly and we cannot offer the solutions to their problem. So in many cases, a professional's job is to uncover the actual problem by asking questions that a lot of people don't have answers to, but when you do get better at the human psychology and serving people and finding out what's important to them, and if you really know your product, which you have to study your industry, now you can offer solutions. And if you can deal with people well, follow up with them well, help overcome their objections, help come up with good questions and listen and come up with solutions, you deal with people better. Therefore, what you represent, whatever it is that you're selling, tends to do well. So it's not that you're good at selling, is you're good at serving whatever product you represent is relevant. Can you deal with people, right? So that's a, a general piece I want to give you guys. If you deal well with people, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you will do really well. There are doctors who, who run practices who are suffering. They're a doctor. They went to school for 10 years. Why? Because they don't have good customer service. They don't listen to their patients. They don't have good follow-up process. Um, but the ones that do, they're on amazingly successful practices. And if you talk to that doctor, if you talk to their staff, if you talk to them, as far as generally speaking, they have similar team meetings, they're on the same page, they talk mindset, they talk accountability, they talk about how do we serve the customer better. And what they offer is a solution, which is, again, prescription medication, it could be the dental office doing a good job of fixing uh, teeth and cavities and root canals and that kind of stuff. So some some of the points from the call I had with, uh, with my friend Alan, and I'm actually going to have an interview one on one, him and I are going to sit down and talk concepts or specifically, I always take the concepts to the general success, right? Which is family, fitness, finance, and friendship. And if you think about those four principles, yeah, I know people who make a lot more money, but in reality, there's, you know, they've sacrificed their health and their family. I know people who've got a ton of family, but then they might be broke. So the reality is like, yeah, you got a cool thing happening with your family, but what's your financial plan to make sure they're taken care of? Um, you know, yeah, you got a great fitness. I see you running a two hour and 40 minute marathon. Um, you know, what's going on with your family and what's going on with your finances and career? Are you taking people with you towards your success? Right? So the balance piece is a strong one. And I will try to only expose 
people I interview who I feel good about their balance and actually Alan's a prime example. So if I can think of like five to 10 people in my life that I met who are generally successful, I can say Alan's in my top five. Um, just amazing, amazing understanding and very outside the box thinker. And these are some of the points we talked about. So one of the things, again, this is specific to the four, point number one is a insurance answer, but it's also a very general answer to sales and businesses, which is most businesses. Uh, he talks about, you know, let's focus less about the excuses and talk about the activity. And the activity is you need to be able to talk to 10 people a day. Again, in our business, we have to know our conversion. And conversion, if you think about it, if you talk to three, uh, 10 people, three will have meaningful conversations with you. And if you think in general sales, that's kind of how it works in most industries. Even when I sold cars, it was kind of similar. You talk to 10 people, three even will have meaningful conversations. And they'll talk to you about their specifics, right? You'll be able to run a quote for them, right? You'll be able to look at their credit, look at their history, that kind of stuff. And if you do that for three people a day, let's go to the third again, one will become a customer. So if you do a good job of continuously looking for prospects to serve, to serve the community, you don't need a list. You don't need to buy leads. In reality, there's always a people out there, whether if it's your list of people you've talked to in the past, whether if it's a list of people that used to be customers, there's a list of uh, influential people in the community circle of influence, professionals that you can reach out to. And a lot of them do have customers that need help for whatever services you offer. Uh, reach out, right? If you keep talking to people, you will get three people a day to talk to and one will become a customer. Now, one becoming a customer can be a, a blessing or a curse because if you're not really good at your own product, you don't know how to solve problems and serve people and offer solutions with the products that you represent, you're not going to be able to expose that household to all the best things you have. So really, really know your products. So at this point, a 300% rule we talked about, Alan shared, was amazing. The 300% rule is this. Offer 100% of your products to the 100% of your clients 100% of the time. 100, 100, 100. Why is that a significant rule? Well, first of all, know what products you need to offer. Yes, you might have 80 products, but if you need to focus on the fundamentals, again, I'll give you an insurance example. For us, our fundamentals is going to be our you know, uh, property casualty, which is home auto. Uh, we would count that as one conversation because we have to talk to people about that. But as far as where we take it after that, we know it's important to offer people high liability limits to protect their assets in case there's a large lawsuit. So at this point, who cares about a cheap insurance policy when somebody's suing you for a million bucks, right? So we talk about that as well. That's that's a very important one to cover. Cover about like what if somebody gets hurt, gets sick, or gets killed? Because one of the biggest reasons why people don't retire is they have some kind of a financial devastation an insurance company should have paid for that they end up paying out of pocket. So we as professionals have to make sure that that's prevented so people can be prepared for what can go wrong so they can plan ahead for what can go right. And financially, things can go wrong, which you can actually insure against. So a lot of successful financial advisors do for their clients. They say, go protect your assets first, and then we can talk about building. But if you haven't protected it, don't focus on building because it's only a matter of time. If you're not properly protected, now you have to go withdraw a million dollars or half a million dollars from your investment portfolio that's going to retire you one day to pay a loss that an insurance company should have paid for. So go get into a good relationship with a professional who protects your money for a living. We'll give you the right advice. Again, that's a piece that I talk to my team a lot. Alan talks to his team a lot is know what the basic products are and always make sure you expose your clients to them because part of our license, there's a fiduciary responsibility we have, which is to do the right thing for our people, the people that we serve, the community, um, just taking orders from people. No, that's we can leave that for the 16-year-old that just got their first job at McDonald's. Fries, Coke, 
burger like that, that that they have to take orders and unfortunately those jobs are going to be irrelevant and replaced by ai very quickly if it's order taking you do for a living be very careful where you're going but if you are having deep meaningful conversations you know your product you know how to serve better deal better yes technology can help you scale but the quality is going to come through the human interaction you will never be replaced by a computer so become relevant because in the next 10 years if you're order taker and you're transactional you will be replaced so know your products so you can always offer all the fundamental important products to your customers on every interaction so offer 100 of what is important to your business to 100 of your clients so everybody you talk to 100 of the time i love that rule I absolutely love that rule. I'm going to steal it. We've generally had that understanding of a culture in the office that we do expose our clients. We do do actually a good job of of protecting our clients. But now I love that I can wrap a rule around and we can always go back to the rule. Um, another rule we talked about, I love how Alan was like, I'm full of rules. I'm like, good, good. This, the more rules you have, the more human you are because animals don't have rules. Uh, he said the AAA rule. Love this one a lot. Action attitude and approach and a significant piece to what he shared was a lot of people have the right attitude and right action but they don't have the right approach it's like i got the attitude i'm positive i'm optimistic i'm motivated i overcome objections i wake up early i work out i do all these different things but i'm not getting the results i want well if you have grit for those of you who read angela duckworth's book the grit talks about the her study of trying to figure out ways to make her students to be successful long-term. And she was observing things like IQ actually didn't have any significant um, patterns, you know, it could be low IQ, high IQ, kids would be successful and unsuccessful after, you know, leaving college. She looked at, um, you know, sports backgrounds, family income backgrounds, type of the parents and all these different things. But one common pattern observed with her study of what makes my students successful is the term that she came up with called the grit. She wrote a book on it. And her definition of grit is to stick to something long-term with passion. So I'll put my own spin to the AAA rule Alan shared is what is the grit piece to it? Well, which is the, if you do something with good action and good attitude long enough times, you're going to find the approach, the necessarily tweaked approach to get the desirable results. Because if you keep doing it with the right attitude and you're doing things with the right action, as in I have to take the action to do it, I'm doing it with the right attitude. If you like it, if you have passion for it, and you, you don't you, you don't get it right away, which nobody gets any desirable results of anything worth doing at the very beginning. But if they stick to it, they eventually find the method of doing it properly, the method, right? The approach and the method, same thing. And they figure out a way to do it. So, so Angela's definition of do something long-term with passion, because you don't look at failure as a reason to stop. You're looking at failure as a reason to change the approach to change what Alan said, the method, right? So in the story he shared was, you know, it took me, I think he said three years to try to get the phone number to his high school sweetheart that he's married to right now. Annette, if you're watching this, shout out to you. Good job, way to make our brother Alan run for his money. Um, he's like, well, I had action. I was reaching out. I was trying to get her, you know, to go on a date with me, to share her phone number with me. She was shutting me down. He had the right attitude. But the approach wasn't the right one. So he kept tweaking it because he had enough passion to continuously go because he was obsessed with the fact that he wanted to take Annette on a date, get her phone number, to talk on the phone. So as he tweaked the approach enough times, success. So 
going back to the triple A rule. You can have action, you can have attitude, but if you don't continuously try to find the right approach, and one of the most accelerated ways to find the right approach, first of all, it's failure. Keep on doing the same thing over and over, but you have to tweak the results, right? Albert Einstein saying uh, the definition of insanity is when you continuously do the same thing over and over and expect different results. That's insane. So, but if you tweak the approach and the method, you will eventually find a way to get the desirable results. So if you want to succeed, triple A, action, attitude, tweak the approach. If you're passionate about it, trust me, you're going to find it. And to quickly accelerate, find mentors, find people that are in your field of whatever you're looking for to do, whatever it is, it could be personal life, it could be dating life. Uh, it could be a business, it could be a startup, whatever it is, right? So if you find somebody, the one of the greatest things I've discovered about mentorship, and I've been mentoring people uh, for a little over a decade of my life, I'm learning I need a mentor too. And some of the greatest things mentors can tell you is what not to do. Because when we make a mistake, it's very personal. And sometimes it's very difficult to recover from a mistake. And sometimes you recover quickly, but it stays personal with you. So when I have a mentee that asks me what to do, I typically say, let me tell you what not to do. Or maybe I had to do this and fail. And here's what it meant to me. So maybe you should do it and look for the failure and get back to me as far as what that failure meant to you. Because that failure is going to teach you what to do differently. Because we and me and you are two different people. We change, we adapt, we have different uh, parenting, we have different PTSDs, we have different background. So I need you to fail to know. One, one of the things that I always get approached is that I uh, read a book or I heard a message that run a marathon will change your life. And I've shared this message, message a million times. Yeah, marathons literally failing. Like you, you're going to, your body will physically fail. You will mentally fail. You will psychologically fail trying to pull off a marathon. Literally your quads will fail. My first marathon, I couldn't walk because I was looking at my quads, hamstrings, and calf at the same time, a mile 2021 20, turning. I'm watching them twist, literal failure. I took that very close to heart. I discovered electrolytes after that. I had no idea what electrolytes were because I self-taught my first marathon. I took that very personal. Well, trust me, I know everything about electrolytes and hydration and, and, and glycogen intake during the run because that failure was very close to heart. Now, if somebody's like, well, I, I hear this lesson about, you know, you run a marathon, change your life. What does it mean? I'm like, well, let me tell you what not to do. Make sure you have salt tablets in your pocket. And when you get to the aid station, drink their uh, electrolytes first and then chase it down with water and keep going. What not to do, right? That's an important piece. Um, here's another one, piece to evolution. Everything changes all the time. I love that message from Alan. The strongest and the fastest are not the ones who win. The ones who win are the ones who adapt the fastest. So let's think about that for a second. What animals have been around longest? And actually, I remember listening to a podcast. Don't remember exactly who, but... They shared the message of, if you think about like the lizards, you know, the, the crocodiles, the animals that are able to survive in the water and on land outlasted the animals that were just in water or just on land, as in they adapted to survive in both environments. So when environment changes, you either die or you have to adapt. And if you adapt, you live longer. You outlive competition. You outlast somebody else that's doing things against you, for you, with you, doesn't matter. So if everything changes at all times, should you get bitter and, well, that's it. You know, everything changed. So we're shutting down shop. I remember when COVID hit, one of the biggest evolutions of our business where we went from whatever to double, triple of what we're doing now. And people are like, you guys are heroes. But I'm like, thank you for saying that, first of all. Second of all, 
during the time when everybody's toning back, laying people off, cutting out marketing, COVID hit, we had to figure out a way how to have my team work from home. A daily accountability system had to be incorporated. Um, our, our team meetings had to change. Our communication between each other changed. Everything was very uncomfortable and I didn't like it. Well, like it or not, the difficult path is the right path. So when people ask, what's the right path? Well, which one sounds more difficult and sounds like more work? Well, that one, because we did the more work, more difficult path. I didn't lay people off. I kept on marketing. We kept on changing and tweaking to the environment of COVID that had to make us change. The ones who did not died. The rate of businesses going out of business was immeasurable compared to what we're used to seeing. Why? Because they didn't adapt. We adapted. We came out of it as heroes. And that's a whole hour-long conversation. We can talk about specifics of what we did, but adaptation was key to survival. That is the key in, if you think about evolution, it has been the key in business. It's the key to relationship. Children, they get older and they change. You can't hold them anymore after a while. Physically, they're heavy. They don't want to be held. Spouse changes. Date nights have to be, be tweaked. The approach has to change. Uh, people move. People change their ideas about what you know happiness is. Adapt. If you don't adapt, you will die, metaphorically speaking. 80-10-10 um, rule. This is another one. The fifth point. And I have one more after this one. So 80-10-10 rule. Th th this is a really good one, too. Think about it. Like, I'll break it down to, let's say, you have to talk to 10 people a day. And again, this is going back to sales. Maybe to, to some, some guys who are obsessed about dating. I think this would work in dating as well. No matter what you do, 10% of people will say no to you. No matter how you do it. Because they've got a guy, they've got a friend, they've got a connection, they've got something that no matter what you say and how you say it, I don't care if you're the best in the world, they're going to say no to you. It doesn't matter if you're asking them on a date, if you are offering them a service, if you are recruiting them to give them the best job on the planet, it doesn't matter what you're doing. 10% will say no. So I love that. I love that because I would take that personally. It's like, why do you say no? Everything was perfect. Uh, I got you coffee. I got you lunch. We talked. We had a good conversation. I give you a great job offer. Oh, you're going to join the best team there is. And they said no to me. Like, so I would take that personally thinking it's, I have to improve my recruiting process, but in reality, no, no, I just 10% will say no, no matter what. So that helps me psychologically not take things personal because I would get too many feelings attached to these things. And guess what? When you get too many feelings attached to things, you take that with you and you feel slightly worse for the rest of the day. Multiply that by 365 days. See how well that works out for you. So it's not personal. It is what it is. The other 10% will say yes to no matter what you're doing. You can have the worst possible method just because you offered something to someone, they'll say yes. The problem with that group, somebody else will offer them something and they'll leave. They're yes people. So not really what you're looking for either, right? You kind of want the people to say, no, you don't want it. You don't like it, but like it or not, you're looking for that person because you can check them off. You're kind of looking for the one that says yes to everything, but also don't be optimistic of them staying in your life and your business and your relationship too long because it's only a matter of time until they're yes their way out. Because the first one, no their way in, as in like they're not coming in. Second one, yes their way in, they're going to yes their way out. Now you're left with 80%. This is the, now this is your daylight. This is your grind. This is your whirlwind. As in this is where you start working with people in our business. In actually most sales, if you do a good job, you'll close about 20% of these people. If you do a great job, 30. Anything outside of this is chasing people down, checking in with them, following up, 
building a pipeline there, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a great rule to not to take things personal because like it or not, there's going to be yeses, like it or not, there'll be noes. And then there's the maybes, call me later, busy. Well, how well can you deal with people? Going back to the fact that we are here to deal with people. That's just what business success is, uh, which goes back to how good is your, can you take action? Can you have good attitude? Keep tweaking your approach to go from 20 to 30% closing ratio. Absolutely. I think you can. And then the last one I'll talk about is the A times E equals R. Apple, Andrew, Robert. The A times E equals R, which stands for action times effectiveness equals results. And I wrote down, be action oriented and no matter what, continue, no matter what, continue to work on efficiency and effectiveness. Instead of excuses, practice the simple rule of executing with effectiveness. You won't be able to avoid good results in life as long as you do this without excuses. I will take Alan's rule and just because, I again, I'm different, right? I'm, I'm going to do a little tweak so it works with my method, right? So it's action times effectiveness minus excuses equals results. I agree. As long as you take action and you do it effectively, you will get results in whatever it is. Well, again, I'll go back to the marathon. Um I took action. I bought my first marathon ticket six months out. I was running. I was just running, you know, wasn't really effective running. That's why I was just doing it. Right. So I literally was just action and half-ass effectiveness process. Um, and I did it, you know, I kind of got, and I got kind of sort of results. I did make excuses. I skipped some training sessions, which is why my legs failed at mile, you know, 20, 21, whenever that happened, I can't remember the exact mileage. All I remember is the blur from that time. Um, I got somewhat results, but be careful. What kind of results do you want? If you think about it, if you want good results, well, you're going to have to have action, start, commit, buy the ticket, start the licensing, ask the person out, whatever the action steps you have to start. Effectiveness, again, that's an ongoing thing, which has to change and adapt to the point we're talking about earlier. Everything changes at all times. So your effectiveness has to be this living, breathing ecosystem that continuously adapts and changes and gets modified. You have to be open to change because if you're not, you will die. As in, whatever ideas will die, businesses will be shut down, relationships will end, health goals will stop, you will have health concerns. So minus excuses, and here's what my tweak to that is because often we make excuses, right? So my formula to this one is activity, um, um, activity minus excuses equals results, which is very similar. If you stop making excuses, which part of effectiveness, by the way, you, and you can use this formula any way you want, right? So you have to have the actionable step. You have to be able to have an effective plan, which includes removing excuses. The other day, my alarm rang at five o'clock, day before yesterday. I mean, I had every reason in my head to be like, dang, I, I deserve some sleep today. I've had, you know, four grind days, early mornings, hard workouts, you know, preparing after my injury from Boston, my knees finally coming back. So I'm like back to uh, grinding it out. My first race is a half marathon coming up. So I'm actually kind of overtraining for this race. I haven't really formally trained for half marathon, but I remember my goal last year was to crack hour 30 and did hour 27 and some change. I know I won't be there right now just because of the injury. I haven't trained much, but now I'm kind of taking this seriously to get some some confidence back in my fitness life because I'm feeling I'm slower and I'm going to be slower. I'll be lucky to do 131, 132. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I had every excuse. My legs were sore. My body was sore because I was doing pull-ups the other day. I was doing push-ups. I'm doing a lot of running. Everything in my body said sleep. And I'm going back into my head thinking, I'm like, okay, how about let me just start with my first step, which my I begin my every morning with a cold shower. 
Why? I've heard there's a lot of good benefits to it. I heard that it actually wakes you up better. And it's a very true. Every time I take a cold shower, I'm up. Um, did a cold shower. I'm like, okay, let me just drag myself in the cold shower. Let me see how I feel. If after the cold shower, I still feel like I'm making excuses, I'll give myself a reason to get back in bed. And it's funny. Um, I give myself an excuse to at least do the first step. Because be careful. If you do the first step, you might take the second step. My first step is always a cold shower. I took the cold shower and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go for an easy run. I'll turn into a really good run after that. And after that, I jumped into cold plunge. Fired up, came to the office. We had an amazing day. Good conversations with my team. Good calls with with my uh, my coaching students. Overall, great day. So I think, did that contribute to my great day? Absolutely. Without it, it would have been a good day. But it was a great day. What was the difference? I don't know. But I can tell you this, I felt like it was great. People try to put too much reason and definitions to good and great. It was just, it was a great day because everything went as planned. I wanted to wake up early, started my morning with a cold shower, had a workout, jumped into the ice cold bath. Right now, Washington State, it's really cold at night. It's freezing. So my ice cold plunge that's sitting in the back patio area is freezing cold. And I learned to breathe better and one off topic I'll share. If you are taking cold plunges, focus on breathing because where I lose my shiver is when a shiver goes away. It's the bottom of my breath, box breathing. You breathe in for three to four seconds, hold it at the top for three to four seconds. You breathe out for three to four seconds, hold it at the bottom for three to four seconds. The bottom is where the magic is because it's really hard to exhale. The issue is people don't exhale enough. They keep too much uh, carbon monoxide buildup within their lungs, which is what causes hyperventilation. You can't catch your breath you're, and you start shivering. So as long as you exhale properly and try to force the air out with a couple of deep exhales, not inhales, exhales, shiver goes away. Why? Because you don't have the carbon buildup in your stomach, which is what helps. Anyway, so that being said, did that, came, had a great day. Minus excuses is a big one to that formula because our body will give us every possible excuse to take the easy route. And if you have to ask yourself the question, is something I preach on a lot, which route, which path, hike, which path is more correct one? The path that has more resistance is the better one. The path that makes you more sore is the more effective one. The path that makes you more uncomfortable is the right one because I don't have a single thing I can ever brag about in my life. I don't have a single achievement that I'm proud of that was a result of comfort. It was always overcoming an excuse, doing something uncomfortable, and achieving desirable results. Cheers, you guys. Hope you uh, enjoyed this episode and tune in next week. We'll have something cool to share with you guys from either a call we have coming up. I'll give you guys some notes, but I'm going to schedule a time to get my buddy Alan and we'll have a face-to-face uh, -face interview. It's going to be via Zoom because he's in California. I'm in Washington, but we'll make it happen. Cheers and cheer guys' balanced success.